to see and experience all these different affirmations of faith, to hear the choir, to, to commission people to the field, to see baptisms. Jesus is alive and well in people's lives, wouldn't you say? Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Please turn to the book of Mark as we continue in Reformation. The book of Mark is one of, well, it is my favorite gospel. Many scholars believe that, in fact, this book was written for performance. Um, most people were illiterate in the day and age of the gospel. And so, you know, they weren't getting pamphlets that everybody was reading. Someone needed to read this for them. And the way the book of Mark is written and its expressions is that it was typically believed to be performed and expressed uh, to people as a drama, if you will. What I want you to do is understand that the book of Mark was written by Mark, John Mark, from the memoirs of Peter. And so this is Peter's gospel, and it's Peter's expression of what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to just briefly take you through the gospel of Mark, chapter by chapter, story by story, to understand what Jesus is expressing his disciples to accomplish what he's teaching us to do. So I'm speaking to you as leaders and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ with the expectation that any rabbi is teaching his students how to act, talk, and perform what he does. That's the whole point of being a disciple of a rabbi. You are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, so everything he's expressed in this book is to be manifest in our lives too. And so let's make this an experience this morning and begin to comprehend what we're to be according to Peter's gospel and the expression of Jesus in our lives. Mark 1.1, this is the beginning of the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, the reason Peter declares that in the first sentence, Mark writes that down, because how many of you know that was Peter's declaration? Who do men say that I am? Peter's going to repeat that the rest of his life. He's going to make that his declaration. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter. The Father did. And so that's what Peter is starting, and that's what Mark is making sure everybody understands. Jesus is the Son of God. And that's what should be on our lips as well, that we are following not just a good teacher, we're not following just a Jewish rabbi, we're not following a historical figure, we're following God in the flesh, Emmanuel, Jesus, the Son of God, amen? And that he dwells in us. Verse 7 of chapter 1 says this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So the first thing that God's going to do is reform your identity. He's taking you from what your occupation was and what your identity is. And what's beautiful about it is he's transforming it into purposes for the kingdom. Some of you might be maids. Some of you might be engineers. Some of you might be housewives. Some of you might be retired. Whatever your vocation is, whatever your aptitude is, he wants to redeem it and sanctify it and put it to work for the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean you have to leave your job to go do kingdom work. It means you bring the kingdom to your job. 
and you bring that into your expression. When he looked at Peter and said, hey, you're a fisherman, he said, you're done fishing fish. But use your expertise on how to draw in and how to bring in the net and and bring those to Christ. I'm going to make you a fisher for men. And so that's what he's doing today. He's telling you, whatever your aptitude, whatever your abilities, use them for me. Go and likewise now, go and do. Jesus was a fisher of men and he was calling them as leaders to go and do likewise. Verse 27, you find that he comes forth in ministry and he commands unclean spirits out of people's lives to obey them. The expectation is you can call out unclean spirits and they will obey you. Have you run into some unclean spirits? Kathy has. (laughs) How about the rest of you? Right? You may not even realize how many demoniacs you have come in contact with. You see them drive by in cars every day. (laughs) You might be working with a few. I don't know. There's all sorts of spirits round about us, but if we're just walking around in a sense and in a daze of just the human level, we're missing the fullness of what the gospel's saying to us. And the gospel's being preached out of our life experience. So if Jesus commanded demons to flee, it's about time you did too. It's about time you took authority spiritually and bound the spirits that are at work in this earth and at work in your family's lives and in your neighbor's lives and the people round about us. How many of you are ready to command spirits to leave? Amen. Amen. Verse 30, he comes into Peter's house and Peter's mother-in-law is very ill. Luke says with a severe fever that incapacitates her and immediately they told him about the situation. He uh, He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. The fever left her and she began to serve them. And so again in likewise what are we doing to alleviate people who want to be ministering but are bedridden or housebound or somehow taken out of ministry because of an ailment or any problem. It doesn't matter what it is. But it says Jesus spoke to her and it says he commanded that, that spirit, that, fervor, that fever to leave. And in fact it says the fever left her and the, the language in the Greek for left her is the same word for divorce. The fever divorced her. In other words, it separated from her. It had to go because Jesus spoke to her. Now some of you say, well, I've prayed for the sick and they haven't recovered. I'm talking in a general way. Continue to pray for the sick and begin to see them recover. But also, whatever is keeping someone from ministering, we need to call people out. Some of you should be ministering to others. Some of you should be doing things. But the enemy puts you on a bed where you've... uh, reclined and declined to be used and Jesus said the heart of this woman was to serve me she wanted to minister she you know it wasn't like I'm uh, I, oh Jesus is coming over the house oh. I mean she was excited and she wanted to serve her master she wanted to serve Jesus but the fever took her out do you know anybody right now where a sin or a problem or something took them out from ministry 
Do you know someone who is just laying aside and said, I guess my time has passed me by. Won't you go and divorce that idea from them and begin to speak to them and say, come forth in ministry. Some of you have felt that you've been disqualified. And I'm speaking to that sense and that spirit, and I'm divorcing it from you. Come forth right now and begin to minister to the Lord Jesus Christ. God is recruiting His people. He goes on in verse 41 of chapter 1. And a man comes to him and he says, If you will, man with leprosy, this is amazing. He says, If you can make me clean, if you will, make me clean. And it says that he was moved with pity. He stretched out his hand. He touched the man. Now wait a minute. He touched a man with leprosy. All right? You want to lay hands on the sick here. He lay hands on someone extremely contagious with a disease that you're scared of, but Jesus ain't afraid of no disease. He's not afraid of anything. He lays hands on him, and he says this, and this is what's amazing. He says, I will. He says, I will, because the man said, if you will. And Jesus said, I will. And the rendering in the original language of this is a continued tense of a verb, and it seems to be saying, I will and always will that you would be well. This is the will of the Father. That we would go to people, leprous people, people who are diseased, people who are outcasts. You know, the Christians need to be looking for people who are disqualified. The church should be recruiting people who feel they shouldn't be in church. Go after the people who the church folks said, you can't come here. They need to be here. The people that are outcasts. We need to be a church where we're calling forth those who have been disenfranchised back into the fold because that's who Jesus wants. I, I'm sick of churches that have particular dress codes for this and attitude controls for that and you can't come here or you're not welcome here because your hair is purple or you got too many uh, tattoos or things all over you. You know what? Go to those people and say, the Lord is willing to minister. Willing to minister. Amen? What are we going to do with the transgenders who have begun these processes of confusion, knowing their gender and changing and so forth, but they get a hold, Christ gets a hold of them. Where are they going to be able to go and find a place to come and be ministered? They're the leprous of today. Are you willing to say, come sit next to me and let Jesus minister to you? He's willing, he's willing, and always willing to transform a human soul. Amen? Amen? Come on, people, let's get ready to do this work. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He comes to a man uh, in chapter 2, verse 9, who is ill and sitting on a mat waiting to get into the waters of Bethesda. And he says this, your sins are forgiven... And, and he says, rise up and take your mat. Well, the religious people say, how dare you say your sins are forgiven? You can't say your sins are forgiven. Only God can forgive sins. He said, well, what's easier? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and be healed? You see, Jesus equated sickness and sin in the same camp of death. And he came to bring life. And he told that man, pick up your mat. I love that because the mat was his testimony. The mat was his addiction. The mat was his comfort. The mat was the only thing this guy had. Jesus said, you don't need that mat anymore to lay on. Now you pick it up and it's your testimony. Wow. 
Amen? Some of you have had a mat that you've been laying on long enough. Your addiction is over. Now declare your freedom. Your sickness is done. Now declare it. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, pick it up. Go to these people. It's time for the church to go and reach the people who need Jesus Christ. Everybody needs them, don't they? And so we've got to get out there and go to these people. Your sins are forgiven. Now, you have the authority in Jesus Christ to remit people's sins. That's what he spoke to the apostles and he spoke to the church. Those sins you remit are forgiven. Those sins that you bind to them will stay. In other words, you have the counsel of the Word of God to tell people what sin is and to help them understand they can be free from it through Jesus Christ. Now that's the failure of the church today. We are not identifying sin because it offends people. Sin offends God. How about we protect the the holiness of God instead of our own personal reputation or likes? Are you trying to tell me that this is sin? Absolutely I'm trying to tell you it's sin. I'm trying to help you understand so that you can come to a Savior who will remedy from that sin. Does this make sense to you? We've lost it in the church. As our brother said when they got baptized, folks aren't even teaching about hell. Now how can that be? We're the stewards of truth in the earth. We need to be speaking the will of God and what sin is. You know, folks don't understand what sin is. And they need to understand this. They're separated from God. So pick up their mat and let them walk. Amen? That's the healing people need. Chapter 217. Oh, we got 16 chapters. Okay. They said about Jesus, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus said this, those who are well are in no need of a physician, but those who are sick need a physician. I came not for the righteous, but for sinners. That would be everyone, unless you think you're so self-righteous, you don't have to deal with it. You're going to be blamed. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be said that you're a Jesus freak, that, that you believe in myths and you believe in stupid ideologies Uh, instead of being intellectual and understanding science. Science is a code word for God. It's just a different idol. If you hear people talk about science, they talk about it as a person. You need to understand science. Science answers everything. Science is, how can science answer anything? It is a study. It makes no sense that it answers anything. People use science to figure things out. All right, I'm on a, anyway. But what we have to understand here, folks, is that you're going to be ridiculed. But you know what? Don't let that stop you. Jesus told his apostles that when you're going, if they won't accept you, shake the dust off your feet and move on. There's more people to be saved. Amen? So their opinion of you means nothing. Because in the end, it's an opinion of the gospel. And so please, please, leaders... That's who I'm addressing here this morning. All of you as leaders, kingdom leaders, go forth and don't worry of what people are going to say about you. He goes on in 2.27 and he says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Our peace is found in Christ. 
The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Jesus was able to separate out from the law and the religious practices that the Jews began to use as the effort to be saved, forgetting the God who gave them those rituals and ideas. And they represented life in Jehovah, but they preferred the letter instead of the Spirit. How about you? Have we just become a religious people? Have we just come so that Sundays when we get together and we, we feel like we did our duty to God? Is, is church just a, a matter of formality to us? Or is this where we come to meet the living God? Is this where we come as ambassadors of the kingdom to make declarations in the earth? When we leave here, we'll say we have accomplished much because in worship we began to release the praise of God. We began to bind Satan. We began to speak the decrees of the Lord's will. And today, the earth is different from this morning because the assembly and the council of the ambassadors of the kingdom met and made decrees into this atmosphere. Amen? So make some decrees this morning. Claim your lost loved ones. Claim for people to be restored and changed. It says uh, uh, in chapter 3, verse 5, a man had a withered hand. He said, stretch forth your hand. He stretched it, and he restored it. You see, what is happening here is Mark is writing all these stories that Peter expressed of what the gospel can do in people's lives. The gospel is the presence of Jesus. That's what we contain, the presence of Jesus. So if you see someone with a withered hand, now, you can, what does that mean? You know, literally, yes, physical healing, of course, but what else? What about someone's reach has become withered? What about someone's life has become paralyzed? What about someone who's quit or life has quit on them? Can you reach forth your hand and pick them up? Can you touch the withered part of someone's life and speak life to it, people? Amen? Do you know someone who is just withered, shrinking, and dying? Do you know someone who's apathetic? Do you know someone who's just quit? Well, come on. Write their name down, begin praying, and go speak life to them. We can change people's lives. We're acting as, this, as if this is some religious thing that you come and learn. It's not something you come and learn. This is something you live and do. I should have had a much bigger amen on that. Are you stunned? Are you with me? Because I'm not feeling it. You should be excited. I'm talking about you. I'm spitting a lot too, but that's all right. With these bright lights, do you see all the spit coming out? No? There's a lot. Sorry about that. I baptize you in the name of Jesus. No, you've got to get this, man. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. I am describing to you what Peter said. This is what my Messiah taught me, and I am now apostolically teaching you. He had no comprehension that this was going to go for 2,000 years to train up generation after generation of disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see a withered hand, you go to that withered hand. Amen? Amen. 
They came, it says in 3.14, he appointed the twelve and named them apostles. That means sent ones. So that they might be with him and might send them out to preach and have authority over demons. Do you remember in the book of Acts, when the Pharisees saw them, they said, Oh my, these are those who were with Christ and have turned this world upside down. You know what? The devil's turned this world upside down. He's turned this country upside down. Don't you think it's about time we turned it upside down? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm explaining to you the authority you have. In chapter 333, they came and said, Jesus, uh, excuse us, your mother and your brothers are here and they want to talk to you. I think you're in trouble. Jesus said, hey, who's my mother and who are my brothers? He said, these are my brothers and my mother, anyone who will hear and do my will. He changed family dynamic. He said that, oh, yeah, Mary's my mother. Yeah, these are my brothers. These lunkheads don't even know who I am. That's, that's the Greek for that. Um, <laughs> Later, he had to go appear to James, and James at that point figured it out. But he had to tell them he had to split ties with what is family for what is kingdom. How about some of you this morning? Some of you are still listening to your family. Some of you are embarrassed about Jesus with your family. Some of you are holding your family together because you you don't want to lose any relationship because you follow Jesus. Jesus wants to say this one thing. Who's your mother and who's your brother? He's the one who is our father. Amen? We need relationship with him and to stay focused on him. He goes on chapter 4. He says, teacher... They're in the middle of a storm on a boat in the sea, and they go, oh, we're dying, we're perishing, and he's sleeping. How many of you know when Jesus said, we're going to the other side to minister, guess what Jesus believed was going to happen? They were going to go on the other side and minister, no matter what happened. But for them, it got all interrupted. The plans of God got completely interrupted. How many of you have ever experienced that? Oh my gosh, God's plans have totally been changed. They don't have to. He, they woke him up, don't you care, don't you care? And Jesus rebuked the wind, rebuked the waves. Peace came, and he turned to them and said, don't you have any faith? And I love what Mark says after that. They looked at him and became afraid and said, who is this guy in our boat? <laughs> That's a good holy fear. That when you realize that no matter what life can throw at you, he is more ferocious and more fearful as a holy God. Amen? He's got power over the wind and the waves. He's got power over any situation. But he has to train us up to trust him for that. I know you've all been through storms. I know you've all been through pain and suffering. And that should not dissuade you it should knock you down oh it'll knock you down but the thing is get back up but Christ is greater we've got to become a people who are not fearful of headlines anymore 
We've got to know that despite what the headlines say, despite who's in office, despite who's sending missiles, despite who's doing this or doing that, despite who's blowing things up, my God's going to accomplish what he wants to get done. And he will use me to do his work, and he'll use you. Amen? Amen. Let's not be afraid. Chapter 5, he had to dismiss a legion of demons. Now, this was a guy in the uh, a demoniac in, in the Gardenes, and, and this guy was a madman. They chained him up at night. He broke up all the chains. He went around and cutting himself with all sorts of stuff. He was a bloody, filthy mess. Can you imagine going by that graveyard? It's the first thing they do when they land on the sea, and and the the disciples did not want to go to this part of town, because this is where the unbelievers were, this is where the pagans were, and this guy shows up that's just all bloody, you talk about Halloween, he lived it, he is it, and he comes out with all his blood and guts and chains rattling, and he's going, ah! You imagine all the apostles going, ah! Running! Jesus had a whole different take on this thing. Jesus cared for that man and said, what's your name to the demons? He brought them to account. How many of you are more afraid of the enemy and the devil so that you don't care about people? The heart of Jesus, he's looking for the people that the devil has taken over. You know who the church needs to target? You know who we need to target? We need to target in prayer and in ministry the radical Muslim groups of people. Oh no, pastor, they're bad. Run from them, call them, kill them. They're people who are bound by legions of demons. Where should the Christians be? Praying for those people and seeing them released from false religion and demoniacs, amen? We've become a bunch of wimps. And we've become a bunch of people who are controlled by political machines in this country. You get most of your cues from the evening news instead of this word of God. Can I step a little harder on your toes? And so when we hear about someone bombing someone, we're worried about justice killing them. How about we pray that they get delivered from the legions of demons they're under? Somebody prayed for the apostle Saul, who became Paul, who was killing Christians. And what did God see in that man? Something he could use. Let's pray for these people. What I want to do is turn this world upside down on us and understand kingdom eyes, kingdom eyes in the book of Mark. So when this madman comes with chains and scars and he's got power over so many people, Jesus stops him in his tracks and said, what's your name? He says, legion, that's a thousand to 10,000 demons. And that doesn't make Jesus bad an eye. He says, you need to get out of that guy because I care about this vessel. I want this man. And so... So he, he, I don't understand all in the plan, it's interesting, but he casts them out into a herd of pigs, and the pigs don't even want them. So the pigs go commit suicide, run off the edge. This man is completely and drastically changed. Do you believe the gospel can do that? No, I'm just, you're, stop fooling around. Do you believe that the gospel can do this? then we need to be the people 
that are doing something about this world. We need to be the people who see a problem and bring Jesus into it. We represent him. And when we get shouted down or when we get accused, we bind the demons and we say, come out of that man in Jesus' name. We need to be a bold people. Well, pastor, I can't do it. Hey, look at none of these guys could. But with Jesus in you, you're going to be surprised at what can get done. Amen? Chapter 5, 21. Oh, I've got to be done in a minute. Woman with an issue of blood, she tried every doctor, every remedy, every hospital, everything, but she got to Jesus. Isn't it interesting? She had to claw her way to him. She was uh, unclean because of the blood on her. If she touched anybody, they'd become unclean. They don't want to see this woman. They don't want to be near her. She had to come from the back of the crowd so that no one would see her coming, right? And so she made her way to Jesus, and by touching him, he made her clean by her faith, by touching the hem of his garment. There are a lot of unclean people. Do you notice something in this Bible that so far that I've told you about? Everybody that's come to Jesus is an outcast, unclean, filthy, and the religious people want nothing to do with them. That's where the church is, on the front lines. That's the apostolic church. That's a church that has a message of the gospel that is not afraid of sin, not afraid of demons, not afraid of filth, not afraid of outcasts, not afraid of deranged people, but coming with a gospel message that will help those who need it most. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Listen, when you come into this church, we gotta, we, we're building a church that when you come in, this, this is the, the, the island of misfit toys. This is the place where everybody's been discarded, but you've been found by the Master, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. It is not our goal to make you all dress the same, look the same, and act the same. The only similarity we have is we look like Jesus. We're beginning to act and talk like Jesus. But you may dress like the people you're reaching. I, see, we're trying to conform everybody to an American Western image, and I don't read it in here. The only image we conform is to Jesus Christ, and we don't do it, he does it, right? We catch the fish, he cleans them. Now, he went on and he healed Jairus' daughter. I love this, and, and I'll be done. That's, uh, I guess I got sermon for next week, too. I'm still at chapter 5. I thought I would actually breeze through this, but I'm sorry. Once I got started, I couldn't stop. On the way, you see, he was on the way to heal Jairus' daughter who was dying. And on the way, a woman with an issue of blood came and got healed as well. You know what I love about that? Then they said, oh, you took too much time with this lady because he stopped and said, hey, who touched me? Right? And Peter says, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody touched you. Not like this. I wonder if that could be said this morning. During praise and worship, Jesus got up and said, hey, who touched me? Wait a minute. We have a whole congregation praising you, Lord. Did you touch him today? Was it about reaching him? Or did you tolerate worship? You see what I'm saying? Come on. Now, he stopped. He wanted to talk to this girl. He wanted to talk to this woman. He wanted to assure her it was because of your faith. And you got to understand what faith is. I'm sorry, I'm going to take a few extra minutes. 
you got to understand what faith is. Faith isn't the, the Wizard of Oz faith. I wish I was well. I wish I was well. I wish I was well. That's what we've made faith. A wish, wish, wish. No. What he said is your faith has made you well. What did her faith do? Her faith got her to Jesus. Her faith made her crawl through the ground, crawl to the, the master, moving people aside, getting stepped on. That's faith. Her hope was Jesus Christ. He's Messiah. If I touch him, I'll be healed. Her faith got her from being outside to getting to him. Faith is what you do with what you believe. Not just hard believing. It's doing something with it. And this gospel is commanding us to be apostolic and do something with what you have learned. And what we have learned as a people is enough to save this community, to save this state, to save this nation. we got enough people right here to start a revolution of the kingdom of God. Amen? Are you with me? All right. My point is this, that as Jesus was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, he stopped. They said, she's dead. Forget about it. Stay home. He says, no, 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 no. It ain't over till I say it's over. And he went there and he told all the unbelieving people, get out. And he went in. They laughed at him. And he went in and said, little girl, get up. The voice of God speaking to a dead person. Amen? Now, what I love about this is with Jesus, anybody, anytime, any interruption, he will attend to. Don't you love that? How many of you are trying to accomplish something and you get all sorts of things coming in and distracting you and coming and bothering you. You know what? Let them all come. They're just going to touch Jesus. If they're touching you, they're touching Jesus. On the way to go heal, someone touched him. Healed. How about you? On the way to work, how about God puts a thought in your mind and you pray for them? Healed. How about you go into work and what you planned to get done, you couldn't get done because people keep interrupting you. And instead of you getting upset with people interrupting you, you say, in Jesus' name. And you just, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you are just giving out Jesus to everybody. So saturated, so full. And guess what? You don't even have to feel like it. I'm sick of Pentecostals having to feel like it. Right? We all got to, I'm not prayed up enough. It don't matter. You got them in you. Just give them away. You don't have to feel like it. You can be a grouch. Give Jesus away. He doesn't work because you have to be at a certain chemical level. I have to have a certain faith level. No, you don't. Just give Jesus out, all of you, right here. Is anybody saved in this house? Who's saved? Then you carry Jesus. And if you carry Jesus, give him away. Just start giving them away. If you feel happy, if you feel sad, if you feel like it, if you don't feel like it, you carry them. Give them out. That just means you'll either participate in it or you'll, you won't, but he'll just keep doing it. Is that okay? Let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, you're doing something. You want a people, Lord God, who are so available to do the gospel work. God, what we have done to this thing, we've mutilated your gospel. It is so easy, and it is so apparent, and you want it so available to everybody. We've excluded so many people. God, forgive us. 
Forgive us. We have excluded people. We've cut some people off. We have prejudice in our midst. We have attitude in our midst that is not of you. God, you want us to be so willing to give this gospel, to speak to demons, to cast them out, to bring healing, and to bring revival to a dead and shriveled people. The hand of the church is withered. But you, Lord God, are walking on the water to your people and saying, get up and walk on this water with me. You're calling your people to a new hour and a new day. And that's what you've come to do. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. Amen and amen. I'm so excited for what God's got in store for us and what God is doing in our midst. Amen. I want to offer the men here something. I can, God's raising up men in this hour, in this day. Amen? Men, you need to rise up. We've got a retreat.